Hello and welcome to Season 1, Episode 5 of Red Rum Mysteries. Tonight's case will be on the unsolved Oakland County child murders. Stay tuned, you guys. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Red Rum Mysteries. Tonight's case will focus on the presumably unsolved Oakland County child killer case. This case takes several turns with quite a few shady characters as suspects. Stay tuned as we dive deep into tonight's case. Oakland County in Detroit, Michigan was its wealthiest county in the 1970s as it is now, which makes these horrific crimes even more hard to believe. Mark Stebbins was a 12-year-old boy living in Ferndale a few blocks south of Nine Mile Road in a pretty well-to-do neighborhood. On February 15, 1976, Mark was walking home from his neighborhood American Legion where his mother worked as a bartender. Mark was headed home to watch a movie, but sadly, he would never make it there. Mark's family begins to return home and are shocked to see Mark wasn't there. The family proceeds to report Mark missing, but are informed there's a 24-hour waiting period on reporting children missing. Mark didn't return home, and on the 19th of February, remains were found behind an office complex at 15660 West 10 Mile, a little bit after 9.30 a.m., the body was later confirmed to be that of Mark Stibbins. He was still wearing the same clothes he was last seen in and lying in a snowbank in the parking lot of the office building. Mark had been strangled and sexually abused with a foreign object and had two lacerations on the left back side of his head. Rope marks were also found on his wrists as well as his ankles. This indicates Mark was tied up for his entire captivity more than likely. Mark's body was found by a good Samaritan just walking his dog. The man also says he thought it was just a mannequin until he looked further and saw it was a child. After Mark's body had been discovered, fear swiftly ripped through this community as this had never happened before. This would just be the beginning of a series of other child murders. Vincent was a 12-year-old who lived in Royal Oak. She had just left her home on the day of December 22, 1976, after an argument about dinner with her mother. Jill's mother wasn't worried at first, as Jill often did this to get her way. Her mother just figured she was just pouting in a neighbor's yard and would soon return, but she never did. Jill was last seen riding her bike with a bag she had packed. Christmas came and went and still no Jill. On the day of December 26, 1976, the cops knock on the door of Jill's mother's Carol's house and ask her to sit down. The police then tell Carol that Jill was found shot in the head in the middle of I-75 in Troy, Michigan. Carol immediately 
went numb and became inconsolable. The spot Jill was found could also be seen from the police station as it was so close. Jill had been shot with a 12-gauge shotgun and her body was still fully clothed. Jill was also still wearing the backpack she was last seen with. How can you just kill a child in the middle of a very busy intersection and no one sees it? Another wave of fear starts to spread over the city and rumors as well. The rumor that began to spread was that of an active child killer. On January 2nd, 1977, yet another child is reported missing. Christine McLehelic was a local 10-year-old girl scout who lived in Berkeley. Christine was known to be very shy yet adventurous, which made it hard to believe she'd just run away from home. On the day of January 2nd, 1977, Christine was walking home after visiting a local 7-Eleven store on 12 Mile Road at Oakshire. News reports, searches, and even handmade candles with her face on them were made in an effort to find her. But just 19 days later, their search would come to an end and it wouldn't be with Christine still alive. A mail carrier discovered her body on January 21st 1977 on the side of a road in rural Franklin Village. She was still fully clothed and had been smothered to death less than 24 hours earlier. Christine's body was also found within view of several nearby homes. Where on earth had Christine been for a whole 19 days? Shortly after Christine's disappearance on March 16, 1977, 11-year-old Timothy King is reported missing. Timothy lived in Birmingham and had left to go to a local drugstore. Timothy will never be heard from again. After he failed to return home, a search of the entire Detroit metro area was held, but Timothy wouldn't be found. Yet. On March 22, 1977, six days after his disappearance, the body of Timothy was found. Two teenagers found him in a ditch running along Gill Road in Livonia. Timothy had also been sexually assaulted with a foreign object and suffocated a few hours earlier. The cops now can confirm that they definitely have a child killer on their hands after connecting the dots between the other child murders and Timothy's. The cops spring into action and try to catch the killer or killers perhaps. A woman at the drugstore soon came forward and said that she had saw Timothy around 8.30 p.m. as she was loading her groceries into her car. She said Timothy was talking to a man in a blue gremlin just a few spaces away from her. The witness gave the police a detailed description of a Caucasian male with lamb chop sideburns, bushy neck length hair, and middle age. The car was a dark blue gremlin with a stripe on the side, so now it seemed like everyone in Detroit was looking for a blue gremlin. Now earlier when I said it may have been more than one killer, it's the fact that both boys were sexually assaulted while the two girls weren't. Over the years, I've learned most serial killers don't kill 
both genders are ones that they aren't sexually attracted to. I'd also like to point out, in the third murder of Christine, the way she was shot in the middle of I-75 with a shotgun and the killer was also able to escape leads me to believe there had to have been someone else driving. This is all just a theory though. Over the years, suspects were slim, but police believe a man named Chris Bush could be responsible for the murders. In 1977, Chris just so happened to live a few miles away from where all the attacks happened. He also had quite a few crimes against children arrest, being arrested that very same year. This arrest wasn't just in one area, but spread out to the counties of Midland, Genesee, Oakland, and Montmorency County. In 1977, an associate of Chris's was locked up for child rape. 1976, and Chris's associate's name was Greg Green. While in custody, Greg told police that he knew who had murdered Mark Stibbins. Bush was arrested shortly after this allegation as he already had several arrests in regards to illicit acts on children. While in jail, Chris told people the different places he enjoyed picking up child victims at. Those places also just so happened to be the same three places three of those victims were found at. Chris took a polygraph but passed, but would later fail additional lie detector tests in regards to the cases. Chris was later released as no evidence could confirm he did anything in regards to the murder of Mark Stevens. Chris also owned a blue Vega, which looked very similar to a gremlin, and his also said to had a white stripe on the side. Chris later got probation on each of the child crimes cases and would later commit suicide in 1978. He had a gunshot wound to the head. The suicide wasn't confirmed as no GSR or gunshot, gunshot residue, what it's normally referred to as, was found on his hands. At his home, ligatures were found, bullet casings, and a drawing of a boy who was screaming. The boy resembled Mark Stebbins, and the boy in the picture also had a hood on, just like Mark did at the time of his disappearance. Another suspect appeared in 2012 when DNA technology found in a car owned by a man named Arch Edward Sloan contained a hair with the same mitochondrial profile as evidence found on the bodies of Mark and Timothy. The DNA wasn't that of Sloan's, but that of an unknown person he may have lent his car to or gave a ride to. Arch Sloan is also a convicted child sex offender. The fact that hairs were only found on Mark and Timothy just leads me further to back to believe that there were two killers working together or two separate child killers operating at the same time in close proximity. Since the interest in Sloan, there have been no further suspects in these cases. This case is quite short, but that's only because the information is so little on it. There are several speculations and unproven rumors on this case. If you have any further information in regards to this case, 
please reach out to the police departments for Genesee, Midland, Oakland, and Montmorency counties. Please let me know your thoughts on this case as well as any other cases you may have interest in. I'd like to send my prayers out to all the families mentioned in this episode as well to the little angels resting in heaven. Forever young, Mark, Jill, Christine, and Timothy. Until next time, stay safe and stay vigilant, my friends.